Welcome to Exchange Church, where we desire to connect and grow people in Jesus. Thanks for listening to our Bible message today, and feel free to share it around. Do you sometimes um, feel small and insignificant? Do you sometimes feel like all your strength is gone and you feel as weak as a kitten? That could be physically, that could be mentally, it could be a whole range of things. If that's you, have a guess what? You are in the perfect position to understand Christmas in all that God does for us in Jesus Christ. If you're feeling small and insignificant and weak. Because at Christmas, this is what Jesus does. He comes for the weak and he comes to fill them with his joy and gladness and strength. That's what Christmas is about when we think about what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. So if you're feeling small and weak and insignificant, you're in the right spot. You're in the right spot today. Come with me and we'll read Micah chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. We'll begin to see here um, what was spoken hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. Uh, to, allow, uh, to help us to see that. Verse 1 of Micah chapter 5. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is able to be a ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old. From ancient of days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when when she who was in labour has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he, he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure for now. He shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, and then we raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. God, we thank you today we can come and open your word up. We ask and pray now that, Holy Spirit, you would uh, begin to speak in this word, although written 2,700 years ago. This is a word that is alive. This is a word that speaks into our hearts today. Please, I pray, open up our minds to see what's happening in here. And that you would give us a bigger vision of who Jesus is as we begin to see uh, this passage enlightened. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. It's amazing how we miss really small things at times. If something's not really noticeable or something's really small, it can easily slip under the radar of life, of where we're at and what we're doing. I sometimes put a sprinkler out at night to sort of water one dead patch of grass. I go out about six o'clock and I have every intention of turning that sprinkler off a few hours later. But something small and insignificant, you know how easily you just forget? Well, I forgot. Not always, but just occasionally I still forget. Um, I think I've done it twice now. You get up the next morning, you've got a little swimming pool now around where the sprinkler was. Something small, something insignificant can slip under the radar and you just miss it altogether at times. Uh, Sometimes these small, insignificant things are so easily overlooked by us in life. Sometimes when they're small and they're trivial, they don't really rate with us. They don't really sort of come under the radar. They don't really sort of come under any sort of scale of this is super important. Not so, though, with God. Today we want to look at how God works in the small things, the weak things, to show his power and his love to rescue and save those who are weak and small and particularly demonstrated for us here at Christmas. Uh, I just read from the book of Micah. You might be asking, okay, who is Micah? 
Uh, Micah is a prophet from the Old Testament, around about 700 BC. So this is written 2,700 years ago. Uh, Micah writes this while Israel has turned their back upon God. Israel is the chosen nation of God. They've turned their back upon God. And at this particular time, uh, they they are facing God's right judgment because of their rebellion away from God. In the present, as Micah writes this, the Assyrian army uh, are harassing Israel and is about to actually go and plunder them and to crush that nation. That's about what's about to take place. Micah's writing about that, but in this book at the very same time, he also shows us the hope that God has given us and that God hasn't abandoned us as we deserve. Mike is going to show us both of these things here as he goes through this book. And what he writes here is a prophecy, or it's a foretelling of what God will do in the future to bring about this glorious hope. It's not here and now as in Micah's day 2,700 years ago. It's something that's going to happen in the future. What we have here is God telling us he's going to send someone to deliver and rescue us. To deliver and rescue the Israelites, but also God's people today, which is those who are putting their trust in Jesus Christ. And this one who's coming in seeming smallness and weakness, according to the eyes of the world, is how it will appear, even this passage here. Something that is small, something that is weak, but yet this is God's purpose being at work for us. Okay, let's have a look. We're told in verse 2, it says here that someone is coming. Someone is coming, he'll be coming from Bethlehem. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. Let's just stop and think about that just for a moment. We all know of the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, but here is the picture of it back in Micah, 700 years before. But let's think about Bethlehem for a moment. It's barely on the map. It's just really a dot. Maybe on some maps it wasn't even a dot. It's a backwater village of no real significance at all. Maybe only a hundred or so people living there. Now, it might be like saying today, someone important is coming, and with all due respect, they're coming from Devonish. How many people know where Devonish is? Uh, See, there's a handful of hands going up. Not everybody knows where Devonish is. Well, it may be a good example. It's coming from Devonish. Now, if you're from Devonish, I love you, okay? It's okay. I love you. But who knows where Devon? Not many people do. God, God, why didn't you choose Jerusalem? This is like just a few miles away. A few, this, is, this is like the religious and political capital of Israel. Why didn't you do something there with great notoriety? No, but God doesn't. He chooses this insignificant village called Bethlehem. Ultimately, to do something grand, big, world-changing. But takes a small little place like Bethlehem to do this. What I want us to think about now is uh, who God is sending and there's really there's eight big things that Micah talks about just in this passage about this one who's coming from tiny insignificant Bethlehem. Verse 2, we're told there God is sending a ruler, a sovereign who will bring fresh and true rule to God's people. Who's God sending? He's sending a ruler. A sovereign. Verse 2 again, he says there, he has come from where? Of ancient of days. He's, he's a ruler who's always existed because he's from ancient of days, but he's coming in the future according to God's plans and purposes. This is what Mike is telling us here. 
He's a ruler from ancient of days, but he's coming in the future. Ancient of days is a title in the Bible given to God. In other words, God is coming at some point in the future. In verse 3, we see here this again. Uh, This ruler will have his people returning to him. This ruler, when he comes, he will draw people to himself. He will bring back his people who have wandered far away from this powerful ruler. He's going to draw people unto himself because of the nature of this person. Verse 4, we see something else here. It says in verse 4, And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. What is this ruler? We see that he's going to personally shepherd his people. He's going to dwell with his people. He will work with his people. He will feed them. He will nurture them. He will guide them. He will take them wherever they need to go, as only a true shepherd does. Now, he won't be like maybe some people today who might be able to use a drone to go out and bring the cattle in or to bring the sheep in. Not this shepherd. This shepherd is going to be with his people. He's going to dwell amongst his people. And he will stand there in the complete strength that God gives him to personally guard them and keep them because they're his sheep. He will shepherd them. He's a shepherd king, a shepherd ruler. Also in verse 4 there we see this, another thing. Uh, This ruler, this shepherd will reflect the majesty and the glory of God in all of his being. This isn't any ordinary shepherd. This isn't any ordinary ruler who's coming. This someone is unique, different, completely different. He has all the attributes of perfection here in the majesty and the glory of God. He will be clothed in splendid holiness. He'll radiate truth and grace and love and justice as the true shepherd, the perfect shepherd, the ultimate shepherd king. We're told in verse 4 also that we will dwell securely, securely with this shepherd. This shepherd will defeat all of our enemies, no matter how weak we are, No matter who may be against us, we have a shepherd who we can confidently trust in who will take us where we need to go. The ultimate true shepherd king. Again in verse 4, we see something else about this shepherd king. We see there, there is no end to his rule. He is great to the ends of what? Not the ends of Devonish, but the ends of the world. He is great to the very ends of the world. What does that mean? That means every square millimetre in this universe will sit under the sovereign rule of this shepherd king, born little old Bethlehem. His rule doesn't extend for a week or a month or a year. It extends to the ends of the earth, everywhere, all time. And ultimately, Everybody, whether they like it or not, will bow the knee to this glorious shepherd king that has been predicted here in Micah that is going to come in the future. And lastly, here's something else we see about this shepherd king. Then the the first part of verse 5, it says this, This shepherd king shall be our peace. Not only does he bring peace, but he will be our peace. There's a difference in that, a big difference. He will make peace with God for us. He will enable us to be at peace with each other 
And this peace, again, won't be just a passing phase of a few good days or a few good weeks. This will be an eternal peace. This will be a peace that will never end. This is the glorious shepherd king, this sovereign ruler whose rule extends to the ends of the earth. He will be our peace, our true peace. This is the glorious shepherd king. This is the ultimate ruler that our hearts will be overwhelmed by his love and rule. If we can just grasp who he is. Here's a question. You might already have the answer. Who is he? Who is this shepherd king here that Mike is talking about 2,700 years ago? Well, if we just fast forward 700 years, we see this prophecy of Micah fulfilled by the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem of Judah. The carols don't sort of say these things for no reason at all. These Christmas carols, we talk about uh, the babe from Bethlehem. It's because it comes from a biblical foundation. It comes from God's word. This is where the baby was born. Bethlehem, 700 years later. Scholars have conservatively estimated that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born in Bethlehem, has fulfilled probably more than 300 Old Testament prophecies. If you step your way slowly through the Old Testament and you see these references to think this Messiah coming in the future, Jesus Christ fulfills every single one of them. Now that is simply amazing and stunning. One individual fulfills all of those prophecies, all of this foretelling in the future. This, who else could do that? Only one person. Only Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus, the baby born on Christmas Day, fulfills them all without fail. There's not one that is not fulfilled by Christ out of the Old Testament. He is that true shepherd king. Here's where I want us to land just in these last few minutes as we think about this shepherd king. What a glorious king. What a shepherd Jesus is. He's God in the flesh. He's come for us. God has come to dwell with his creation. The people he gives their life and their breath to. But look, God chooses to come in weakness. He chooses to come in ways that defy human thinking. Now, if you or I were perhaps planning this, some grand entrance for the ultimate sovereign ruler, we might say, God, why didn't you choose a Hollywood red carpet sort of premiere release to reveal yourself? You know, God, why didn't you choose that? Wouldn't that get more sort of profiling? God doesn't do that. God doesn't make sort of some global social media storm here by melting down Facebook and Instagram with 8 billion likes in one hit. God doesn't do that. He chooses something weak. He chooses something small. He chooses something insignificant. He picks Bethlehem to make his entrance into this world. Now, from a human perspective, that's crazy. Surely you want to make this known, God. There's got to be another way. Make it big. Get the public relations team on board. We can actually make this go off. This can be viral. No. God does it his way, which is perfect. Jesus comes in weakness. He comes as a frail baby dependent on Mary to nurse and sustain him with a mother's milk. Jesus has to be carried around for the first months of his life. He can't even walk. He needs, God needs to be carried. 
a picture of weakness here that Jesus comes in. And Jesus, maybe you could have picked a more glamorous couple because Mary and Joseph aren't exactly a glamour power couple. They're really just some peasants from Bethlehem. Surely, Jesus, you've got to pick someone with a bit more social standing in life. They couldn't even give everything you needed to buy in life, Jesus. No. God chooses weakness. God chooses insignificance. Jesus lays aside his deity. The Son of God lays aside his his deity, his godness, and he hides this glory behind the veil of human flesh. He is truly the God-man. Jesus is this glorious shepherd king subject to all the weaknesses that we have. Jesus is tired. Jesus is hungry. Jesus is thirsty. Jesus is weak on so many levels. So so why does God do this? Why does Jesus come weak like this? Like frail like us? Well, Jesus comes weak so he can identify with the weak. He can come alongside the weak. He can understand what weakness is. And the reason that we are weak is because we have turned from God in sin and we've lost all of our strength to truly love and worship and serve the God who gives us life and breath. We are weak because of that. We are weak because we have turned our backs upon God. And in this sinful weakness... We are self-destructing ourselves on the inside. Jesus comes to identify with the weak. Jesus ultimately comes and he carries our sinful weakness to the cross 33 years after he's born to reconcile us and bring us back to God. What a glorious shepherd king that would do that. And we can become part of Micah 5.3. People returning now to this glorious king, because he's enabled that to take place. He's reconciled us. He's become weak for us, so that we can now know truly back in relation with our Heavenly Father. Now, now weakness is something the world struggles to market and sell, isn't it? It's not really, you don't sell stuff by sort of portraying yourself as weak. When we're weak, we're helpless, we're vulnerable, we're at the mercy of others. But the way of this world, though, is different to that. The way of this world is only the strong will survive. Only the fittest make it to the top. It's only the strong that can notice first. You get into the AFL draft and they're looking for the biggest, the quickest, the strongest and the most skillful. They're not looking for the weakest. To find strength, we're told, you need to look within. You need to look within to find strength to actually climb your way to the top. And the way of this world is to impress others with our strength and to show them just how strong we can be. And you know what happens when we do that? In the process of trying to become strong in the world's way, we actually flame out. We burn out. Because we quickly discover we're just not quite as weak, sorry, as strong as we thought we were. Jesus knows that. He's become weak so he can identify with the weak. And Jesus truly knows that every one of us, if we're honest, if we're truly honest, he knows we are weak. He knows that it doesn't take much for us to tip over. A bit of bad news here or there and our heads are done in. We very quickly discover how weak we really are. Sin has weakened us more than we can ever imagine. 
But this is why this shepherd king has come. This is why Christmas Day is so glorious for us. Jesus became weak so that he could welcome the weak to come to him just as they are, not to clean ourselves up and to sort of get myself in my best life now sort of thing, and now I'll come to Jesus. Come as I are, as I am, weak. Here's a picture of the way the gospel looks, this good news of Jesus looks, as Chelsea read before. Here's Paul talking to the Corinthians, and just think about these words as we go through them here. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26. It says this, talking to the Corinthians, For consider your calling, brothers... Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Get the picture of what he's saying here. It's not the big and the strong and the bold and the beautiful. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. You weren't the big hitters around town. Nothing wrong with being a big hit around town, though. Not many were of noble birth. But what does God do? God chooses what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chooses what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chooses what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not. They're just insignificant. What? To bring to nothing the things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So then, as it is written, Paul says, let the one who boasts, not in my power, not in my success, not in my title, not in my achievements, but boast only in the Lord. This is why we rejoice on Christmas Day. I had no strength within me whatsoever to come back to God. God sends someone who becomes my strength. But firstly, he identifies with my weakness. Jesus, this mighty shepherd king, born in weakness in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, is the eternal sovereign Lord who dwells with his people to rescue and to save the weak. And he calls the weak today, come, come, come in your weakness. Come with all your frailties. Come and find salvation. Come and find strength. Come and find what you've always been truly looking for, found in this shepherd king born 2,000 years ago. This is why we sing on Christmas Day and adore the Lord, because he came to rescue and to save the weak. We sing today, come and see what God has done. Come and see the miracle that God has achieved for us. He comes for the weak. Let me pray. Father, we thank you today that we can come. And I am so thankful, Lord, for every single person that has braved the conditions today to come out and to celebrate who you are and to be reminded again of who you are. That, Jesus, you are the shepherd king who comes for the weak, to lift up the weak, to fill us with your strength and your hope and your love and your peace and then to carry us through the storms of life with a hope that cannot be shifted. God, I pray today, please let our eyes be opened again to Micah chapter 5, 2,700 years ago, predicting this shepherd king would come. 700 years later, he comes and he's still working today lifting up the weak, 
strengthening those and filling them with joy and peace in believing in who you are. Work that again, I pray today, Lord, as we gather, as we celebrate Christmas. And maybe some are here today, Lord, and they've never heard about you in this way before. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you just work in their hearts now? Would you just begin to open the eyes of their heart up, Lord, to see a glimpse of this glorious shepherd king working with the weak, lifting us up. Heavenly Father, we ask that. We pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you found today's talk challenging and fruitful. Don't hesitate to get in touch by visiting our website or sending us an email. But we'd love for you to join us in person as well.